Welcome, welcome, welcome into the QC Hornet's Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. Each week, we'll have the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you the stories other shows won't and giving you the inside access other shows can't. So are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. Once again, the Charlotte Hornets are hard to figure out. Just at times when you think that you have these guys pegged and say, I have an idea of which direction they're going, they throw a curveball, so to speak. And it's happened over the past four games leading into Sunday's game against Phoenix. Starting from the second half of their game in Utah, the Hornets have essentially been a different team, it feels like. They didn't play overly well for the first half of the game in Denver either, but that fourth quarter comeback, essentially that was record-breaking in terms of the largest deficit that was ever overcome by a Denver Nuggets opponent. To go out and win that game the way they did, has really sparked them, it seems like. They obviously beat a team in Houston that was decimated with a lot of players um, missing because of the health and safety protocols. But that leads into my point, essentially, where the Hornets' depth this season is part of the reason why they've been so good at times. When you look at exactly how they've been able to, at times, overcome missing some of their key players. It's been one of those things where you have to give credit to the coaching staff and also to the front office because these pieces that they've put together are sometimes interchangeable enough where they seem to be able to fill in different spots whereas previously that wasn't the case. And I'm speaking in specifically because the last two games going into the game against Phoenix, the Hornets were missing Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. It's almost like going back to how things were leading into their road trip. It just come, it came off of going into this, this homestand where they're missing five key guys who are out due to health and safety protocols. So to see them not only pick things up despite missing a guy who's playing really well in Miles Bridges and another player in P.J. Washington who comes off the bench and is just turned in one of his best games of the season in Denver to help him win that game against the Nuggets. To still come out and play the way they have and to go into Indiana, essentially, and really control that game against the Pacers from the most part from beginning to end, again, despite missing these guys, just shows what this team is capable of. 
And I know at times it can be kind of frustrating if you're a fan because you're wondering, like, why don't I get these kind of performances all the time? And I think it's two reasons. One is because the leading scorer of past, Terry Rozier, hasn't really had a great season, but he's gotten it going of late. And he's averaging almost 25 points in his last four games going into the game on Sunday against Phoenix. And you can tell there's a difference in the way he's playing. And I know I asked him last week about it. And he told me that he was hesitating. He mentioned that that was part of the reason why he wasn't maybe in his in his right frame playing a game because he just wasn't going out there playing freely. And as you may have noticed lately, he's been doing that. And I asked him exactly about that again after the game against the Pacers. Here's what he had to say. Hey, Terry, last week you mentioned about being a little more aggressive and just playing your game, going back to the ballpark. Seems like you're doing that a little bit, man. You're not in between right now. Just how confident are you feeling with just the way you're shooting the ball right now? Uh, I'm feeling real confident. Uh, as you can see, I'm not hesitating at all from the beginning all the way to the end. Just, just by me. I mean, I can score the ball. I've always been like that all my life. So it's a matter of me looking at myself in the mirror and knowing that I worried about what but how everything else play out. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always give my credit to my coaches and my teammates because <clears throat> they allow me to be me and they're always looking for me. So, you know, I don't want that to go unnoticed. So there you have it. In his own words, you know, Terry explains just how he's feeling right now. And those words, if you're a Hornets fan, have to be music to your ears because to see him go out there and, and play the way he has of late, it's going to be a good spark for this team if they can keep it going. And the second reason why the Hornets kind of turned it around a little bit of late is because they've been playing better defense. And have they been out there killing against everybody? No. But you can see there's a little more want to, there's a little more intensity, there's a little more activity, and it's speaking to both Terry and LaMelo about that they both mentioned that it kind of starts with them. And I know Terry mentioned that after the game against the Rockets on Monday that the coaching staff has challenged him a little bit to go out there and play better defensively, and he wanted to go out there and do that. And that's exactly what he's done the last couple of games. And his backcourt mate, LaMelo Ball, said something similar when I asked him about it after the game against Indiana because, as we know, the Hornets ranked their last in defense. And one of the issues they're having is getting broken down from the dribble from the guard perspective. And that leads to Terry and LaMelo having to play better on defense. So I asked LaMelo about that after the Pacers game on Wednesday about his defense and Terry's defense, specifically how that can help them moving forward. This is what he had to say about it. Yeah, just me and him locking in, saying we're going to play defense. I mean, that helps. Obviously, if one player going to play defense, it just go through the whole team. Next player want to play. Next player want to play. Next player want to play. So it's like a virus. Hearing him say that, again, is, is a good thing because if here's your star player, 20 years old, understands just how important it is for him to play defense along with Terry Rozier, that's going to be a good thing for the Hornets because they have to start at that point of attack to be able to fix their issues. If they can't stop teams from breaking down 
defenses leading to catastrophic chain reaction things happening in the paint with their center play and forward play, then they're not going to be a very good team as they try to make this run toward the playoffs and potentially win a first-round series because if you can't play well defensively against better teams in the postseason, you're going to get kicked out in the first round. So the Hornets have to find a way to be able to structure that and frame this and just keep this kind of game they've been playing in mind. And maybe they'll be okay because if you look at it, despite everything they've been through, they're 19 and 17 going into that game against the Suns on Sunday. And they're not in four at home overall. So with them having a lot of home games coming up, that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the pod, they could be in a nice position to make up some decent ground here and put themselves in a nice spot going into the all-star bit potentially. And even before that, the, the trade deadline to potentially figure out if they have to make a move to make themselves even better. But right now, just the depth of the Hornets, being able to overcome all they've been through with players being out on protocols and sicknesses and everything else, you have to kind of just look at them and say, man, these guys could be a tough out if they can get everything together and everybody healthy. But that's always a big if in these COVID times, as we know. And we'll see over the next week or so if the Hornets have figured this thing out to the point where they're going to keep it moving forward and not be on this seesaw pattern that they've essentially engulfed themselves in for the entire season so far. Time for this week's mailbag. And once again, thank you guys for submitting your questions. I really appreciate it. The first one comes this week from EWHornets92 via Twitter. And that's at EWHornets92. It says, given the unexpected strength of Eastern teams like Chicago, Cleveland, etc., should the Hornets stand pat with their young talent and continue to develop rather than make a major in-season move? Maybe prioritizing swinging for DeAndre Aiden in the offseason. I think the Hornets should figure out how to make the right move, but it has to be for the right price. This season, you can see that the talent is there. You can see the players are buying into the system. And you can see that if they can just maybe get one more piece, that they can be a really formidable opponent come you know, the spring and potentially playoff time. And that, to me, is what it's about right now for the Hornets. Yes, they're having a good season. Yes, they can be a playoff team. But right now, when you have a 20-year-old point guard in LaMelo Ball and just a young team overall, playoff experience is not only important, but to be able to win a playoff series would be even better for this team. So to me, I'm not sure right now as the roster stands, they can do that. But I also wouldn't just go out there and make a move just to make one. And if you notice, Ms. Kupchak has been very methodical in what he's done so far for the Hornets. And I believe he's going to do the same thing 
going to the trade deadline. I believe they may make a move, but again, it's going to be for the right price. He's not going to just go out there and just give away his young talent and draft picks just for a player who they can rent for a couple of months and may not be around and also may not even help them moving forward. So I can see the Hornets making the move. I think they will, but again, only for the right price and for the right player. So once again, thank you for that question. Another question comes from Andy Denton on Twitter. And his question, and his Twitter handle is at Andy Denton. And his question is, what post-COVID effects has each player experienced? Gordon Haywood blog that he's just, just now feeling better. Has it affected their game? Endurance, coordination, decision-making. It seems players who have contracted the original or Delta variants have had longer lasting issues. That's been one of the things to really keep an eye on. Um, Andy, thanks for the question is every player coming back is different. And I've asked James Borrego about that a couple of times, even the players, some players don't even have really symptoms of COVID. For example, Terry Rozier said he didn't even really feel sick. Maybe had a couple of things going on with him, but then it was just after a day or so, he was kind of back to being normal. Same with Cody Martin. I asked him just uh, at shoot around on Wednesday before the game against the Pacers, just how he was feeling and, and when he knows something was wrong. And he said something to the effect of something similar to Terry Rozier said, where he was really kind of asymptomatic, where he really didn't have very many symptoms. So everybody is different. Um, you mentioned Gordon Haywood. He obviously was down in the preseason. So if he's just not feeling better, it shows you that this is not really something to play around with, this COVID variant, because it affects people's respiratory system. If you're an athlete and you're out there going up and down the court, what are you using? You're obviously using your respiratory system. You're trying to breathe in and out of your lungs to make sure that you can um, have enough energy to get up and down the court and be a competitive player for the amount of minutes they want you to play nowadays as a professional. So if COVID has affected you a little bit, that's obviously going to, at some point, make it that more difficult for you to go out there and be the player that you know you can be. So everybody's really different. Um, you know, you look at LaMelo Ball, he's come back for the most part and still has been the same player. But again, he's 20 years old. He reacts differently. Um, he was really sick uh, when I asked him about it. And he was probably the sickest of all the players, yet he's come back and probably been the most effective so far. So it really depends on everybody. Everybody's different. So I would just not, like when Miles Bridges comes back, P.J. Washington comes back, same thing. Um, I would not look to them and say, hey, they're going to be the same way LaMelo was or they're going to play like Terry Rozier did. Everybody's different. So you have to just wait and see how it all shakes out. But the one thing is, it seems like after a little bit of time so far from the Hornets, everybody's kind of come back to playing like they expected to play before they got hit with COVID. So if that continues, then hopefully the same thing will happen for Miles and P.J. Washington. So thanks again, Andy, for the question. I appreciate it. And thanks again, you guys, for submitting your questions for this week's Mailbag on the QC Hornets Nest Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for your great questions that you submitted to us this week. We really appreciate your interactive part of our podcast and are very thankful that you guys reach out to us to uh, have us answer your questions 
and break it down to the best of our ability with our inside knowledge. So thanks again for submitting your questions. And looking ahead now to what the Hornets have, you know, they've closed out, as we mentioned earlier, the calendar year of 2021 with three straight wins. So now the question becomes how they start off 2022 beginning on Sunday at home against Phoenix. At least from the Hornets' perspective, one of the most positive things is four of the next five games, which obviously is four of the first five games in 2022, are at home. And it begins on Sunday against Phoenix, a team that pounded them into basically a pulp in Phoenix a little over a week and change ago when essentially by the time they will have played on Sunday in their rematch, it'll have been two weeks since their meeting in Phoenix. And if you're the Hornets, obviously you are seeking some sweet revenge potentially because that was a game that was over from the start, really. They've never really in that game. And that was one of the most frustrating parts of their entire West Coast trip. We just didn't show up the way they would like to. But then, from my perspective, one of the key games of these next five or six is going to be their game on Monday against the Wizards. It's a back-to-back division opponent. The Wizards will have had a day or so between their games, whereas for the Hornets, obviously, little rest. And when you break down these division games, they start getting bigger and bigger this time of year just because... You start stacking up the records and starting to figure out exactly where your teams are going to finish. And it could come down to tiebreakers. And going into that game, the Hornets have a 5-2 record in the Southeast Division, which is only one game behind Miami. And the Wizards are 3-5 and five going to that game on Monday in D.C. So... That's a big game from their perspective that could kind of swing things a little bit more in their favor for tiebreakers if it comes down to it. So the Hornets have to kind of figure a way to see if they can find the energy to have it in them to go out there and beat the Wizards in D.C. because that's a game that they really could use on the stretch. Because when they come back home, they have a game on Wednesday against Detroit and a game that you would think that they should win because the Hornets have a nine and four record going to the game on Sunday against Phoenix at home. And Detroit is obviously one of those teams that isn't playing very well this season. So after that, the Hornets have one of those series where you have a two game series against a common opponent at home, or excuse me, just in, just in general, but for the Hornets it happens to be at home and that's Milwaukee where they play him on Saturday, the 8th of January, followed up by a appearance again at Spectrum Center on the 10th of January. So those obviously are two difficult games. The Hornets have played Milwaukee tough. We know this, but have still kind of seen the can't get over the hump usually in enough of these games the last time being in Milwaukee 
uh, right around December, beginning of December, when Giannis hit that buzzer beat a layup to give them a, uh, a win over the Hornets. So these next five games aren't going to be overly easy for the Hornets, but if they can, again, get that win potentially in D.C. and steal a game against either Phoenix or Milwaukee and come out and stretch at least three and two, you're feeling decent about yourself going to the rest of the month, which, again, you have nine of your 15 games in the month of January are at home. So the Hornets have a good chance to make up some decent ground, and we'll see if they can do that beginning against the Suns on Sunday. Okay, now it's time for a little random factoid that we like to bring to you guys every week. And this week, we're going to go to one of the people, let's say the players that people love to talk about most, and that's obviously LaMelo Ball. And Melo, as we mentioned earlier, came just short of another triple-double this season um, when he fell just one assist shy against the Pacers on Wednesday night. But if you look at what he's done so far overall in terms of just his triple-double and double-doubles, it actually, you know, he's had five 20-point or more double-doubles this season. And that, to me, is kind of remarkable because he actually he's had 11 double-doubles overall this season. And, you know, we're just a little bit basically of a, you know, we're not even halfway through the season. So for him to be able to be going at the clip he's going at now, where he's essentially almost averaging a triple-double, is kind of just really insane when you think about it. I mean, he came in um, to the game averaging, on Wednesday, averaging 19.7 points, eight assists, and 7.4 rebounds per game. So just the double-double and triple-double is almost becoming part of the whole vernacular when you're talking about LaMelo Ball. And the fact that he has that many double-doubles, especially that many scoring 20 or more points, to me, just shows just what kind of level of growth that the second-year star point guard for the Hornets is on. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out CharlotteObserver.com. And for a special subscription offer, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right. Until next time, we out.